I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glorious. Glorious. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again. Relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name's Bill, and I'm here with Grace Guard Dog Steve. Hello, everybody. So glad to be here again. What a privilege it is. Just couldn't say that loud enough. It is such a privilege to be here and to be able to share the word and have actually God share the word through you and I, Bill. Amen, it is. I'm looking forward to that because my mind's pretty blank. I don't feel real good. got allergies and nausea and a few other things. Oh, joy, you're just right. Yeah, didn't eat lunch and dinner and then cranky so amen we go want spirit, to hear go, from the go, holy spirit. spirit yeah you take over spirit you do it that's when we do the best we got you- a, some pretty cool stuff to share i'm holding in my hands a copy of running from grace caught by mercy by john m benavides unbelievable it's a book it's a book he printed the book it, it's there it's on our desk now we see a copy of his, the fruits of his labor. He printed a book. It's about grace, you guys. I hope you get it. We have to put it up on the webpage so that you can definitely order it through our page. Yeah. We, we want that to happen. We don't know how to do that. We're going to have to figure out how to get that on our page. Maybe we can ask John to help us. Ken, I think you'll like the book. You'll definitely we've known the guy a long time he came to a bible study we've been doing back 12 15 years ago yeah he just soaked up the grace soaked up the gospels and he uh, was hooked yeah changed his life too and studied my gosh what did he he wrote out the new testament in his own writing with a pen and paper with pen and paper he he is into the lord that's for sure Good yeah, he carried man. around this big book. <laughs> it was just loaded with yeah. writing it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing what God does with people when he apprehends them. And it's got a big heart. He's He does a lot of ministering out to homeless people. He's generous with our ministry. Yeah, he is. He supported us. He supported us. And we're grateful. But running from grace, caught by mercy, and in the back he talks about no matter how far we run, we can't outrun the gospel. And Good news. Can't outrun good news. Who would want to? That's the thing. You can't. I mean, look at the the parables about the, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. And uh, more importantly, in that whole thing of parables, the prodigal son, but his brother is... 
almost a more fascinating story. His brother was hardcore legalist, and his brother was every bit as lost as the prodigal son. And he was, when his son, when his brother came back, he was angry, bitter. And if you're a legalist and you read John's book, you'd be mad. <laughs> this, this guy did a lot of, he doesn't, well, he wrote about it in his book, so I guess he doesn't write really. <laughs> He admits it. He becomes very transparent. He's an open book. Heart, heart, heart. This guy was wanted to pray for him to heal him, and he's handing him a, a little index card and said, I need you to write down how many times you had adultery on your wife, how yeah. many affairs. And uh, he said, I'm going to need a bigger card. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's just got a, a heart for... The downtrodden, he's just a wonderful guy, thoughtful guy. But he wasn't. Not no. back then. Not no. back then. He was a treacherous, dangerous guy to be around. But he said you cannot outrun the gospel. If anyone could, he, he could have. Yes. Because the fact is, it says when the lost sheep, it's it says he searches... And right, it says he searches till he's just had enough. He's just tired of looking. It doesn't say that, does it? No, it doesn't. That's the good news. That's it says he searches till he finds him. Yes. That, that's good news. Searches till he finds him. That means God is searching for you. And the won't people give listening. Up. And he won't give up on you. That is good news. You, you do realize that the Bible is called the gospel, the good news. It is a book about good news from God to the human race. Yes. God is saying, I've got good news for you. It is a good book. God is a good God, and he loves you and has written a book to tell you how much he loves you. It is a book worth reading. It changed my life. You know, at the end of Paul's letter to the Romans, in chapter 16, in his benediction, as they say, he says, Now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel. Paul takes ownership of the gospel that he proclaimed. It wasn't the gospel that you hear, unfortunately, on radio and TV a lot. But Paul said that unto him who is able speaking of Jesus, to establish you by my gospel. Establish means literally to make you stand by my gospel. Stand even, upright. Stand upright. In, even the proclamation of Jesus Christ. So Paul's gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ are one and the same. And the word proclamation there is, it's the word there's Caruso and Karugma, and they're only, only used of a heraldal, herald, or a, the guy that heralds. That proclaims. Yeah, a guy that stands on the corner and announces the gospel, nothing else. He does, he's not out there saying, you Let know, me show you about look your at the taxes. Way the, yeah, look at the way the country's going, and look at these social issues. Not there. It no. says, that won't establish you. But Paul says, now to him who's able to establish you by my 
gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, the gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, the heralding of this gospel message is proclaiming Jesus Christ, and it will establish you. It established this guy, and he wrote a book, and this guy's a legitimate standing Christian. And he is an established guy. Let's get this clear what established means. He stands upright. He is no longer embarrassed by his behavior. His behavior is copacetic. His behavior does not bother the people around him. People around him enjoy his company because he stands upright in front of those people. He lives a right life. He gets it right in front of the people. And it was the gospel that established him. It was the gospel that pointed him in the right direction, the proclamation of Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory, made him have a glorious life to give testimony about. Absolutely. You remember Paul said the same thing in Colossians. We proclaim him teaching everyone and admonishing everyone that we might present everyone perfect in Christ. That's the proclamation of the gospel. And what is the gospel? Paul said it. He said the gospel is the righteousness of God. In the gospel, the righteousness of God is Is unveiled, revealed, made known. Mm -hmm. Didn't Paul say that? Comes right out of Romans. Right. He's able to establish you by making you known that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Even when you're living like this guy, John, was living in his lifestyle, the gospel comes along and says, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. In the gospel message, the righteousness is revealed, the righteousness of God is revealed by faith. And it's not you believing something it is the faithfulness of God. Say that you, again. It is the righteousness of God revealed by faith it means that the faithfulness of Christ is being revealed out of God and into you. Through you, God, Christ's faithfulness to his Father is being revealed. Yes. Did I say that right? You did say that. In other words... To him who's able to establish you by Paul's gospel, the proclamation of Jesus Christ, proclaiming that you are the righteousness of God in Christ brings about a revelation and a wisdom that you never had before, a a wisdom and an understanding that your righteousness is not something you work out. It is a manifestation of the righteousness of God. It is a manifestation of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, come from God's goodness. The first thing we learn about God in the, in the Bible is Genesis 1, is he is good. Good love is the goodness of God in action. The gospel says that God so loved the world, God was so good 
that he sent his son into the world that believing on him we would be rescued from this problem that we've been talking about for the last couple of months we've been rescued from the sin problem the lie the idea that somehow we can have our own righteousness by our own human effort is what we're being rescued from or in john's case seeing righteousness is such a far-fetched idea that he just went the other way there's there's two ways to go to it you can you can try and lie to yourself and think you're living a good moral righteous life or you can just say that's not for me i'm i'm going the opposite way but when the good news is proclaimed that one that he didn't just die to forgive you of your past but he died to forgive you of your whole life that's what the gospel proclaims that he's the lamb of god that what takes Takes away away the the sin sin of of the the world the whole world past present and future right away that gives you a little giddy up in your in your step makes you feel like you have a purpose in life and then the next thing that happens there's there suddenly becomes if we're being established by the gospel now if we're not being established by the gospel we're being established by elementary principles and things like that that's not going to get us anywhere promise keeper programs things like that yeah where does that get us it didn't get us very far we failed we failed. Yeah. That's why there is no promise keepers anymore. But that's not the gospel. That's it? not the gospel. That's not the gospel. Well, what is the gospel? It the, is the righteousness of God by the Holy Spirit placed into you. Doing what you can't do, do for yourself. You. Doing it for you. He said, I'll make a new covenant where I'll put my spirit in you and I'll do it for you by my spirit that I placed in you. Amen. And then I'll make up all these terms like born again and Christ in you and living in the spirit as opposed to in your own human effort. We'll make up a whole new set of terms to give you word pictures until you get it and begin to live a life dependent on God in you. Then the righteousness of God can be revealed in you. And manifested. And manifested. And remember, righteousness is a covenant term. It means that you're being completely faithful to the covenant. Remember, there was the Abrahamic covenant. God declared his faithfulness to the covenant. He said, by promising that I'm going to do this for you, Abraham. I'm going to give you a seed. I'm going to give you seed as as many as the sand of the sea. Even if you fall on your face and laugh at me, I'm still going to do it. Which he did because he was faithful to the covenant. He was what righteous to his covenant. God was righteous. Then came the Mosaic covenant. Now God will be righteous to this covenant, the Mosaic covenant, if the people are righteous to their end of the covenant. How did that work out? Not too well. It proved to us that we can't do it. But it did serve its purpose. It led us to a dependency on Christ. It led us to cry out, who will rescue me from this body of death, this unrighteous body? Isn't that exactly what it says in, in Galatians? That it was a tutor to lead us to Christ. And once we've come to Christ and learn a life of dependency on Christ, what does it say? We no longer need the tutor. We don't need the law. 
it got us there. It was the tutor. And so Paul is saying that now the, we live by the righteousness of Christ. The righteousness of Christ was the, was the agreement the Father and Son had together. And that he would take on the sin of the whole world. And then after he did take care of the sin debt of the whole world, he promised to come back and bring his life. And that is the life that is establishing you. That's why it says, now to him who's able to establish you by my gospel, even the proclamation of Christ. Christ's life is the gospel. The gospel, the good news is what gospel means, is Christ's life. And it's the proclamation is that kerugma world, and it means heralding. And I think you could even put in the word podcasting. Ooh, that was great, Bill. That was great. The podcasting of the word. Now to him who's able to establish you by my gospel, even the podcasting of Jesus Christ, even the grace message is depending on Jesus Christ as my life. And man, that's what establishes you. And that alone is all you need to be established. You need to depend on him. And once again, let me remind you, it establishes you means it makes you stand tall, stand righteously, stand in harmony with the people around you so that every word you say harmonizes and brings harmony to your relationship and does not irritate the people around you and bring them down. But the words that come through your mouth from God's heart edify the people around you when God speaks for you, through you, and ministers to people through you. That is what this new covenant is. That's why he took away the old human performance-based covenant because it proved that, humanly speaking, we can't uphold that. We can't make the friends around us happy with us and our performance. So once that ended, he said, I'll make a new covenant where I will do it for you. I will become abiding. I will abide in you when you become born again where we get the whole term born again and what all that means. It means Christ is now in us doing for us what we can't humanly do. No matter how hard we try, and you got to admit, we tried hard. I know I did. I tried so hard to be pleasing to the people around me and be a model Christian and, and uphold the the walk, do the walk and talk the talk and, and be everything that I was supposed to be. I failed miserably. I needed to learn about what this new covenant was about. And I hope that everybody out there in the audience is learning. It's about him doing for you what you can't do for yourself. And it sounds so simple that it's easily dismissed that the gospel is proclaiming him. Uh, Yet Paul did. He said the gospel is the proclamation of Jesus Christ. Did he say the simplicity of the gospel? 
didn't he say to the Corinthians, he said, I didn't come to you with superiority of speech and eloquent speaking. He says, I was determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what I want to present to you, the life of Christ and the death of Christ. His life in and through you and his death, what it accomplished for you to give you that guilt-free conscience that Hebrews 10 said the sacrifices in the old covenant could never give you. It says that there remained a sin consciousness year by year. Even after the sacrifice was completed, you still walked away feeling guilty. If you walk away feeling guilty after hearing what you think might be the gospel, you didn't really hear the gospel. You really didn't. No. No, you heard some sort of pseudo-gospel. You heard how to get back right with God. As if you weren't because of what Christ did. But Christ did God make you was in right Christ with... reconciling to himself, not counting our sins against him. Should we look at that scripture? Yeah, because I'm pretty sure it, it's not something we asked to do. And I think it was done without our consent. Before we were even born. Okay, so I'm in Colossians... Chapter 1, in, in about verse 15. It, it's we were a, going to do the Second Corinthians 5 reconciliation. Is that what you thought you were doing? Because they're both the same thing. Is they both, are they're both, both, both on the same subject, the reconciliation of the world. Let's do both then. Okay, okay. That's funny that you thought, oh, okay. okay and then we'll funny. do Hebrews funny. 10. Yeah, we the, mentioned that too. We could so. do that too, about it being a reminder. Okay, but okay, guys, I'm in Colossians 1.15. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in heaven and on earth. Both visible and invisible things were created by him, whether thrones or or dominions, or rulers, or authorities, all things have been created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things are held together. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from a the dead so that he himself might come to have first place in everything for it was the father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Jesus and through Jesus to reconcile get a load of this to reconcile all things to himself all those invisible things and visible things that he created, he reconciled them to himself, having made peace through the blood, through the cross, by him. And I say whether things on earth or things in heaven, although you were formerly alienated and hostile in your mind, engaged in your evil deeds, he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death what? in order to present you before him 
holy and blameless and beyond reproach. You are in God's eyes holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Jesus has reconciled you to the Father and made the Father see you as holy and blameless and beyond reproach. And if that isn't good news, I will. <laughs> Just kidding. And it's. Did you say. Even when you were hostile in your mind? Even when you were hostile, you weren't saying, Oh, Lord, please save me, me at all. You were hostile. You were hostile. Did it also say he created all things in heaven, in earth, invisible, invisible? And then he reconciled all those things. The Whether, very same things that he created, he also reconciled? Yes, yes, yes. Without that, our consent? With We weren't even born yet. We weren't even born yet, and he reconciled us to God through his death, burial, and resurrection. Amen. Hallelujah. That is good news. That is the good news, and that is the proclamation of Jesus Christ. That is the proclamation of the gospel. Of the podcast. That good news is able to establish you. Keeps you standing righteous. Absolutely. Put you in the right frame of mind that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting our sins against us. Matter of fact, go to go to Second Corinthians five. Let's just go there. It's because it's good news. Well, five fourteen says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not counting our sins against us. That's what reconciling means, not counting our sins against us. Remember in, uh, let's see, Deuteronomy 15, every seven years, a debt had to be canceled. Right, 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 amen. A type and shadow of what we're talking about. And seven, times seven was 49, which was the jubilee. Freedom, got your land back, even more. And then there was this prophecy in 490 years, which is 70 times 7, meaning, and you know what happened? Preach it, 490 brother. years later, mm-hmm. Jesus died on the cross. Amen. And Amen. the world and everyone in it, everything, all creation was reconciled back. Super Jubilee. Super Jubilee. Hyper Jubilee. There's an interesting thing in Deuteronomy I think it's 15, it's talking about that reconciling. And it says, uh, you remember when it said, if in the sixth year you have someone... (laughs) (laughs) That's a test. (laughs) Who would think this? Yes. It says in the sixth year, meaning just a little time, any money that this guy would, you would loan him, you'd have to forgive him of that debt. And... So the moral is don't lend him money on the sixth year, right? Because you might not get it back. (laughs) Yeah. But but. Jesus said, see to it that you don't, or in Deuteronomy it says, make sure you don't have an evil eye, a darkened eye, an eye that doesn't understand the gospel, even though it was hidden when he said this in Deuteronomy 15. Jesus says this very same thing in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 6. He says, if you're eye is single or he says the eye is the lamp of the body it controls everything it's what you see 
if you're not seeing this reconciliation principle, Jesus said you you don't have a single eye. That's what it means. He says if your eye is single, and the word single single in the Greek is pleco, and it means to, literally to twine together. Adam and Eve became one. Who also became one? Christ and the church became one. They're plecoed together, twined together. When you're twined together with the gospel, with the good news, meaning you're joined to Christ, you have a different mindset. Your eye is single, and your it says your whole body is full of light. Now you see things with an enlightened eye. You see what the true gospel is. And in Deuteronomy, if you had this idea that God put this rule out there that every seven years you have to cancel debt, but you don't also have the idea that that God is a good God and God is a loving God and, and he's going to take care of you. And he canceled your debt. And he canceled <laughs> your debt. You're hesitant to help someone because you think, I, I got to help myself. I got to look out for, for me. Old dark me. That's looking at the world through the dark eye. That is a darkened heart. That is a darkened understanding. If your eye is enlightened to the fact that he reconciled you and you're going to live forever because of, praise God, what God did for you, then you don't mind forgiving people on the seventh year. You have an enlightened eye. You have an enlightened heart. You have a single eye that's in, in line with him. You understand the gospel. You've been established by the gospel and you're able to make gracious kind decisions and you're able to help people but it's not you going i gotta do this ten commandment said it yeah right not at all it's Mm -hmm. it's an enlightened it's an established life of christ in you that allows you to have that kind that goodness and kindness of heart that allows you to say yeah i'll help you know okay i'm i got hebrews 10 sorry my I left my phone on and it was distracting me. I don't know if you heard that. Well, it's all good. Okay. Hebrews 10, starting in verse 1. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not realities themselves. For this reason, it, meaning the law, can never, can never, never, can ever, ever by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year make perfect make establish those who draw near in worship otherwise would they not have ceased to be offered for the worshiper would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins but they were feeling guilty because it was only a shadow of the good things to come through Christ. We can actually not be feeling guilty anymore. We can have a anymore. clear conscience. Finally, finally. Doesn't Peter say that? The pledge of a good conscience based on the resurrection of Christ? Based on the resurrection of Christ, you pledge not to have a guilty conscience between you and God. You may feel guilty between you and the people around you, but not between you and God because of what Jesus did. It says those sacrifices would have stopped being offered because the worshipers would have once and for all felt cleansed of their conscience. 
Do you know you can't be established in the gospel with a guilty conscience? Cannot. It's an oxymoron. Yeah. Right. You, you just cannot. Cannot. It doesn't mean you could care less about what you might have done or might not have done. But your conscience should be clear between you and God. And with a clear conscience from God, it allows you to go back and make restitution with the people that around you that you did offend. Yeah. Or you may have just done it to yourself. Let, let me say that one time also to, to make it clear to drive this point. It doesn't mean that you don't care. We are talking about people who care very much how their behavior lines up and stacks up. And they very much want to please God and see themselves falling short of it constantly. We are saying that what Christ did when he reconciled you to the Father means that even though you see yourself failing when you're trying so hard, you're still right in God's eyes. You may, like you said, have to apologize to the people around you, but with you and God, you have a clear conscience because of what Jesus did on your behalf. We're not talking about people who don't care. We're right. talking about people who care very much. This ministry has always been devoted to people who care very much about their Christian life. And I tell you what, it makes it so much easier to go to a person that you did wrong when you know that there's nothing against God. But I, I had where first I went to God and God forgive me, God forgive me, what what did I do? Reconcile and me not back. Feel forgiven. And not feel forgiven. And I felt I had to do that before I could even go to the person. And then I would even that would get in the way that I'm like, I won't go to the person because this is just between me and me and God. But knowing that you're reconciled and knowing that you have a clear conscience, like Peter says, based on the resurrection of Christ, man, it, it's it's easy to go back to the person, easier, a lot easier. easier to go back to the person and say, man, that wasn't, that wasn't hey, good I what did I did. I did wrong. I, I didn't really mean do. to. Yeah. But I, and I, I am sincerely sorry. Yeah. And, uh, and I want to make up for it. Yes. And make restitution if I can. Right. I, I've heard that's a big part of the 12-step groups that make, make them amends. successful. Yeah, you go make amends with whoever you can. Yes. But you've made, God has made amends for you. He has reconciled you to him. And in 2 Corinthians 5 says that he was in Christ reconciling the world and then he tells you to be reconciled to him make your account it's it's an accounting term make your accounts payable on seen on his accounts receivable he, he paid them right tell yourself the truth and then it says now having reconciled it it says therefore if anyone is in Christ he's a new creation is a new creation Old things have passed away. Behold, check it out. All things are new. And all this is from God. This is the gospel. Good. That was a verse for me that I looked at it. If anyone's in Christ, 
He's a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things are new. Don't and feel like a new creation. No, I, I really couldn't claim that verse. I It became one of those put on your refrigerator and hope one day you could actually live that. Is that something like you did? Right, put it on your refrigerator. Yes, yeah. a, a sticky, a sticky. It was a goal verse. Mm-hmm. One day mm-hmm. I want to be it. I, I want it to be said of me that I am a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things are new. But will be new someday. The Greek grammar does not allow you to to come up with that. It's mm-hmm. one of those eris. It's an eris verb that if anyone is a new, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. It's in the eris tense, meaning this at a point in time in the past. He's becoming a new creation, and he will be a creation. He was declared one in the past. He's becoming one, or he is one, and he's becoming. And old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And I would refer people to the the podcast you did on the two natures, of two, the, not the two natures, but the, points two, of view. the two points of view. Yeah, Go ahead and, and explain that, how... Old things have passed away and all things have become new. When Old things they... have passed away in God's, uh, in our eyes, in our eyes we can see ourselves falling short of the glory of God. But in God's eyes, from his point of view, from God's eternal point of view, we are holy and blameless in his sight because of what Jesus did on the cross. That's the way he sees us, even though we saw ourselves in the mirror having a very, very bad day, even though we were trying so hard to leave, live an exemplary Christian life. Did I say that right? You did. And so how would that establish someone? How would that good news establish someone? that old things have passed away in God's sight. It shows, just like it says in Romans 14, that to his master he'll stand or fall, and God will make him stand. You're established perfectly in God's eyes because of what Christ did at the cross. In the realm of your day-to-day experience, understanding the good news Namely that through his death, burial, and resurrection, God sees you as blameless. And next, that he made a new covenant with you in which he will put his spirit in you and cause you to walk blamelessly. Something that you can't do for yourself. He establishes you. He makes you stand tall in front of the people around you by his grace in you, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and this grace towards me was not in vain, for I labored harder than all the rest, yet it wasn't me laboring, it was the grace of God in me laboring, in me making me stand tall, making me established. Two ways in which he establishes you. One is from his point of view, 
and two is by his spirit or his grace working through you to do what you can't do for yourself. So the the new things are the things done by the spirit. By the new man. By the new man. And the old things were done by the old man. The old man. And knowing the gospel, the gospel is the proclamation of Jesus paying for everything that the old man of us did. And the gospel is the proclamation of all the new things the Spirit does through us. Yes. That establishes us in this gospel. It, it's what keeps us going. I've, this is amazing. And I had a guy, I won't mention his name, he really was a nice guy, but you know the, if we go on willfully sinning yes, in yes. Hebrews 10, mm-hmm. he said, see, that, that means that even though he paid for your sins, if you keep sinning, then God will take away the sacrifice and take away the reconciliation. And, oh, Lord. Yeah. That, that. When you say don't grieve the spirit, oh, my spirit just got grieved. You, you know what the willful sin was? Oh, yeah. I, and I know what it's misrepresented it as. Yeah. The, the we have to do sin. a podcast on that. You know that, Bill. Well, just simply, and we will, but just simply... He was writing to these Hebrews who were under intense persecution because the temple was still taking sacrifices. The priests were still doing sacrifices. When the veil was torn in two, apparently they put it back and opened up shop, and they were still doing sacrifices. These were the sacrifices that the writer of Hebrews said could never take away sin and could never give you a clear conscience. Only the fearful expectation of judgment. That's what the mind that is not established in the gospel is, a fearful expectation of judgment. That I haven't done enough or I've... When you go back to the, I have to sacrifice something for the bad day I just had in order to get God to forgive me, that is where the fearful expectation of judgment comes in. When you realize the gospel, that because of what Christ did, even though you've had that bad day, your sins and lawless deeds, he will remember no more under this new covenant that we are in. That negates the fearful expectation of judgment. So when you go willfully trying to present a sacrifice to get your sins forgiven when they already were through that gigantic, ginormous, painful miracle that Jesus did at the cross, something that I wouldn't wish on anybody, when he did all that and you slap that in the face, slap that grace in the face, you only have a fearful expectation of judgment. You sure that do. doesn't say you're going to be judged. just says you have a fearful expectation of judgment. A fearful expectation does not mean you're going to be judged. It, it does not mean that. You have a fearful expectation. Exactly. And a fearful expectation does not sound anywhere near being established in the good news. No, it doesn't. And it's something that we'll have to deal with in another podcast. But for now... Can you close us in prayer? Thank you. Thank you, Father God, 
Thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross. Thank you that your last words were, it is finished. Thank you, Father God, that we are a new creation in Christ, that old things have truly passed away. And behold, check it out, all things are new. And this message came from you. And I pray that for each one of us, we would be like Paul, where he says the love of Christ compels us. It's the love of Christ that gives us that single eye that Jesus was talking about, that makes our whole body full of light, that allows us to live in the reality of the gospel, that he, that we are reconciled to you, and that your Holy Spirit was placed in us to do for us what we can never do for ourselves even though we desperately want to now we can by abiding in you teach us to remain depend and abide in you jesus it's in your name we pray amen amen double amen you guys we love you thank you for listening to this podcast it means so much to us thank you guys good night we love you